0: Welcome back to a brand new season of the CDC's fastest approved podcast, Beethoven Walks Into a Bar. I'm Mike Gordon, Principal Flute of the Kansas City Symphony. I'm Jason Sieber, the Associate Conductor.
1: And I'm Stephanie Brimhall, the Education
0: Manager. Over the last nine months, the staff and musicians of the Kansas City Symphony have literally been reinventing how we deliver music to our community. In the fall, we rolled out our brand new mobile music box, and the symphony's music has been featured weekly on Classical KC Radio, along with commentary from Michael Stern and other guest musicians. As 2020 came to a close, we began to present our first streaming orchestra performances, and now we are launching a full-fledged subscription season of concerts, which will be presented live to socially distanced audiences, as well as online through our new subscriber content portal, MySymphonySeat.org.
1: Man, it is awesome to be back in the hall, for sure. But, you know, not all of our audiences can be back in and And I am working really hard on providing some additional digital content for our younger audiences, our educational series. And you'll find a lot of these awesome videos that our musicians have really just stepped up and created some great content for our um, little learners, but also just people who want to know more about the orchestra. So you will hear... Um, from lots of our members of the orchestra about different concepts, like what is a glissando or what does it mean to play staccato all the way to, you know, um, how do I take a good breath to play the tuba? Lessons all like that and, and all in between. So I'm really excited um, for you to check those out at kcsymphony.org as well.
2: I'm excited to check out those educational videos myself, Stephanie. Who knows? I might learn <laughs> a thing or two as a conductor. You yeah. never know. It's never too late to learn. So I'm excited to check those out as well. Well, guys, as we start off this newly reimagined subscription season, which I am so proud of, I, I cannot wait for us to jump in with all this great music that we're going to be bringing our subscribers over the next few months, it just seemed like the right time to sit down with our very special guest today, the boss himself, the head cheese, the principal suit, the main manager, our (laughs) executive director, Mr. Danny Beckley. Welcome to the show, Danny. Thanks. You guys are... (laughs) Digging through the bottom of the barrel here for me, aren't you? That's good. <laughs> did you like that intro? That was pretty I, I did. good. That yeah, was pretty it was, good. That was, was very nice. So, so, Danny, before we get started here with our conversation, I I, I want to thank you because this is, as Mike mentioned, the first episode of our third season, and uh, I, I know our Nielsen ratings are not as high as your average Chiefs game, or perhaps the Queen's Gambit, or any of the uh, popular <laughs> things on Netflix or Hulu right now, or in podcast world. But you have not canceled us. You have allowed us to continue on for a third season, so we must be doing something right. Thank you. You guys are absolutely doing something right. I've had so much fun listening to you,
3: and it's usually that I'm in my wood shop. You know, that's when that's my podcast time. Oh, well, there you go. And, uh, ah, but nice. I, I just haven't had time for that lately. <laughs> so I need to catch <laughs> up been on quite your busy, shows. Yeah. But you guys are doing a fantastic job. Thank you for all that you've done for this.
1: Well, I have. Um, I want to jump right in with a really hard-hitting question, and and it's something that I've been wondering a lot about and have been really concerned about. And I hope that um, you'll be able to give, give us a truthful answer here, but I've been really concerned as to whether or not you've been able to work out keeping your cats out of your Christmas tree.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The answer to that is a firm. No, I have not. And, And, it's The Christmas tree is, is right outside of my office, and so I see these cats doing this thing, and I'm on a Zoom call when they're doing it, and there's nothing I can do about it, and they know that, and so they take the opportunity. And so you'll walk up to them, and you'll see one of them kind of poke their head out, and it looks like it's a Christmas ornament, but it's a cat's head. <laughs> it's it's out of control they're kittens they're cute and so you can't get that mad at them
1: well as we literally as we speak right now i don't know if you can see his head down here but my dog i have a puppy he's almost five months old and my hand is in his mouth as a chew toy right now it's the only thing keeping (laughs) him from barking so nice (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: very nice very nice
0: gotta love our furry friends
1: all right to the real business now
0: The real business. All right, down to business. Well, Danny, who could have imagined uh, just a year and a half ago when you came on board, uh, you know, that anything like this pandemic was about to happen? You know, things were rosy. You were settling in, getting to know everyone, uh, and really starting to map out uh, the next chapter of the Kansas City Symphony. And then along comes March. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, we're not able to play concerts uh, for the first time, well, really ever Uh, as far as I know, certainly uh, in the history of the Kansas City Symphony. So, so talk to us a little, if you would, about what those first uh, couple of months or even couple of weeks were like, just trying to get a grip on what was happening in this totally unprecedented uh, event. Well,
3: you know, I I, I came to Kansas City and and you guys had everything pretty well figured out. I mean, this organization was purring like a, I mean, like a finely tuned engine. And, And so I was, you know in this great big office that Frank had <laughs> and, and I was wondering, you know, where, where did he put his putting green? Cause this is going to be a lot of fun. And, <laughs> and, and, so I, I, have to say, you know, this wasn't in the job description folks. <laughs> um, but but no no, nobody saw this coming and, and none of us, it was not in any of our job descriptions to, to, to take on a, a once in a century pandemic uh, for a symphony orchestra. And it's interesting because there's nothing to look back on. There's nothing to say, what did they do in 1918 when this happened? Because we didn't have American orchestras in 1918 that were of the caliber that we have today. Professional symphony, unionized, all the rest of it, orchestras. And so there's there's nothing to look back on. And so all of the, uh, the network of people that I've built up over the years to, to provide me counsel and guidance and, you know, what would you do in this situation? They're like, oh, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> and so Great. it's... Um, it, it's been really interesting. We were in a music director search meeting because we have that going on too. And, uh, and that was in uh, March, March 12th or 13th, whatever the day was. And, uh, and in, in comes our development director, Alex Shapiro. And he says, the mayor just closed the city. Oh, okay. So we, <laughs> we knew that we would have something to deal with. We didn't know what. And I think the hardest part of this was having the goalposts move so frequently we don't, we didn't have any idea what we were going into. We had no idea how long it was going to last and we didn't know what the impact would be. You know, we were saying maybe we can come back in the summer and do something, you know, surely by September we can be back. And, uh, you know, you know, the rest of the story. So it was really a matter of, you know, this hit, hit home really quickly. And, you know, with, with the three of you too, you know, sitting down and saying, okay, what are we going to do? And, that's how this podcast came to be. That's how a number of other things came to be, and uh, and this organization has just been super responsive to these to these really interesting conditions.
2: I totally agree, Danny, and I'm glad you figured out what to do next because I don't know if we still have figured out what to do here <laughs> on the podcast. We're still figuring it out day by day. No, I'm kidding. We're, we're, we're having a lot of fun doing <laughs> you guys this. Guys are doing. Great. Um, but let's fast forward a little bit then to the summer, and as it becomes obvious that we're not going to be able to have a regular season. Uh, we we came up with a brand new idea of this mobile music box series. And this was a huge success in the fall. I know that we're hoping to bring it back in the spring as well. Just t- tell us how that idea came about and how it developed along the way so that we could continue to serve the community once the, the fall season would have started for us.
3: So we were in discussions with the musicians. I, I can't remember. I, I know that those started immediately because obviously we had some financial issues to deal with. And so the musicians' uh, leadership uh, was just really terrific in working with us and talking through things, and really grounded in a, a set of set of facts. Uh, we were able to to come to some good conclusions. In the course of those discussions, one of the musicians made a comment like, you know, well, we should get out and play chamber music, and we should go into every single zip code in in, in the region, and that just really stuck with me because what we do historically of the symphony orchestra is we play fantastic music and we play it in the best concert hall in the country. And, and and we, and we invite people to come into us and then we scratch our heads when people don't react the way that we think that they're going to react. You know, a lot of people love this symphony orchestra and our hall is full all the time, but there's also this whole other swath of the community. That's, I don't know. Uh, they're, 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 they're afraid or or they're unfamiliar or they're uncomfortable. They think that 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 wonderful temple on the hill is not for them. And so they're hesitant to come into the hall. And so when I heard this, let's go into every zip code, to me, that was like, okay, we're gonna democratize music now, we're gonna go Mm -hmm. to them, they're not coming to us, we're gonna go to them and we're gonna open our arms uh, in friendship to, to everyone in this community. And so then we started thinking about the logistics of what would go into that and it was like, my goodness how are we going to possibly manage that many venues especially in a pandemic but even in normal times you know i was in an operations role before i was in this role and that would be a nightmare to try to to try (laughs) to manage that many different venues and so becky and i were chatting i was like what if we had a trailer you know just a wild idea what if we had a trailer that was a stage and so that's kind of how the idea began and and we developed it over time and And the mobile music box was the ultimate result.
1: You know, we talked a lot about uh, a lot at the end of season two. Um, You mentioned that when you came into this job, you know, the organization was, was purring. It was, it was running well, things, you know, things were going right. And, and we've talked a lot recently about how sometimes I don't want to say that can be a detriment, but it can um, prevent you from taking leaps and doing new things and trying, you know, trying different things. And so, You know, obviously, we've had to experiment with some brand new, you know, wipe the slate clean and start over. And again, while it's not a silver lining, it is, you know, it was something that really kind of kicked us in the butt and said, all right, well, you have to do something new. And the Mobile Music Box series has really been something that I think we've always needed to do. And we always have known that we needed to engage with our community in a different way. And this was just kind of the nudge or, shove i guess that we needed to to be able to do that and you know i think that can be said for a lot of things that we're currently doing with our videos and you know our our virtual subscriptions and things but i think the mobile music box most um represents kind of the the outcome of that kick in the butt <laughs> yeah
3: it's interesting because i remember when i came in here and i had had a couple months under my belt and and it occurred to me that this that, that everything was running so well because everybody was used to doing the same thing over and over again. And there wasn't a tremendous amount of uh, uh, new things happening. It was like, you know, we're doing the things that are tried and true. We've been doing them for a long time and we're just going to keep doing those things. And so they're done very well. And so I was saying, guys, we really need to flex our creative muscles here. Let's. And so I was trying to do things to inspire creativity and in people. And well, nothing inspires it like a crisis. Yeah, and, and so once we saw this pandemic hit, everybody in the institution has just been going into hyperdrive with 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 creative thoughts. I mean, the, the the musicians and you know Mike, you 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 bought a whole recording suite and learned how to edit videos, and then you inspired some of your colleagues in the orchestra to do the same thing and to make all of these all of these wonderful videos you guys have been doing, and then the staff has been figuring out different ways to solve problems, and uh, and now we're operating on a diminished uh, number of staff and. And so they're they're learning new skills they never thought that they would need to know. And, and so it's just across the whole organization, everybody is just being Uber creative. And so that's one really shining moment out of this pandemic is that it's really inspired us to become something new, uh, which which is just looking, you know from afar, it's really exciting.
0: Yeah, I certainly agree, and you know our listeners may remember uh, toward the end of our last uh, season we had we had Dave Sullivan and Fabrice Curtis on who are doing uh, or who did this incredible uh, Christmas Advent calendar. I mean, there's there's so much of that going on at the uh, individual musician level and and organizationally, uh certainly culminating now in this uh, subscription season. So so let's back up a little bit. You know, I'd I'd love uh, to hear a little bit more about. Uh, some of your past work because you, interestingly enough, uh, came out of the tech world or at least spent a period of your career in the (laughs) tech world. And, and I'm really interested to know, um, you know, after these last, you know, eight, nine months, how that, uh, how that background and how that experience has kind of shaped uh, the direction we're taking now with the symphony. Yeah. I I knew it would be applicable.
3: I, I, I didn't know it would be so applicable. <laughs> and, and and so, um, you, you know, I, I got into technology when I was a uh, undergrad. My I think my freshman year of college, you know, I, I realized that you could make a fair bit of money uh, in the tech world. And so I started doing that. I wanted to be, at that time, I wanted to be a high school band director. That was like my... That was in, in the rural community I grew up in. That was the end-all be-all. I didn't know about this whole like orchestral music thing. I soon discovered that, and then I wanted to be a trombonist, and so I, I started <laughs> really getting serious about about performance. Um, but all of the while, I was running. Uh, I started a number of different companies in the tech sector, and uh, and then t- took that experience into, into the orchestral music world, you know, websites and video at the Indianapolis symphony, we developed a whole streaming platform before anybody needed one. Um, and, and so we, we installed this, this really intricate, uh, multi-camera system, things on tracks and moving all over the place and robotics. And it was really cool. Um, and, and I thought that that would be my foray into video for a while. Um, uh, and, and I know in Kansas city, we'd probably, uh, we, we would, we would get to that eventually. Um, but it was clear to me that the video and the internet and everything else is happening. Uh, it's a great way to make new connections with people. Uh, if the chiefs just played in their stadium and they were never on television, would they get the kind of audiences that they get? And, and so it's, it's that parallel where I think it's so important, um, you know the the internet is really and musicians aren't going to like me saying this but the internet is really replacing touring and so where orchestras really had to travel the country and physically be present in all of these different communities in order to build the brand and to build their artistic identity in, in the in the eyes of the classical music world um now we're doing that through through video and through the internet and so you see these you know the Met opera broadcasts really were the the leader in this for a long time And then you saw other other orchestras, you know, just dump their entire libraries of content online and make them available. And it makes the music so much more accessible to people. Mm -hmm. It sets the musicians up as rock stars, because now you actually recognize people when you go into the hall and you see them on the stage. You're like, I saw a video of that guy and that was really good. And so you 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 form these connections and everything that we do is person to person. You know, it's it's person to person in order to deliver the art. And so now we're developing a means to reach people in this whole new way to get to know our musicians and the music and the composers and the conductors and the artists and all of this, to, to get to know all of this in this whole new way. And so I think that there's a whole, a whole opportunity of interaction uh, that's not possible when, you ha- when you're one of 1,600 people in the concert hall, where you can, you can engage with this music on your own terms and in your own way and actually have interactions with our musicians. And I think people are going to be really excited about that. So long answer to say the technology is very applicable to our present circumstances and, and what I think we'll need in the future.
1: All right. So you alluded to this just a minute ago. So you were a trombone player. Our still am. F- um, previous. <laughs> still am. Yes. I know. Nope. I, I have to remind myself. I always say my husband was a horn player and he he still is um recovering i think <laughs> but our um former uh ex- our executive director prior to to you getting here frank Byrne, is a tuba player so what is it about low brass and executive directing is there is there a, a straight line there
2: <laughs> why is it that the low brass become the top brass They're, oh so to nice ooh, jason Ooh,
0: this is well asked wow
2: i can't take credit for that mike Mike Gordon wrote this. Uh, wrote that uh, actually. I am I his did, but, it, you, but it's a really good line.
0: It was written for
2: your voice, though, Jason. <laughs> Why is it that the low brass become the top brass?
3: Well, I'll tell you. So when I was a bass trombonist, you know, audi- you know, actually taking auditions and all of that, we there were people in their jobs that had been bass trombonists in their orchestras since like the Eisenhower administration, <laughs> and so there just weren't that many jobs open that. You you know would pay a living wage, and all of you all of you know this. But in the world of the bass trombone, when there's you know one per orchestra, um, it's it's especially difficult. And so I came up in a time when there just weren't that many opportunities available. And so it was uh, it, it was frankly this or do do you know do something else can take a completely other turn. I went into the tech world, but but I felt like I had this sort of dual personality because I was also trying to be a musician. And so the prospect of being involved in music full time, um, for me, was very enticing. And so, you know, running businesses and the technology and the music and all of it kind of comes together. And if you sort of mush it all together, you get an executive director job description. And so
0: to me, it was, it was a really enticing way to go. So it's, it's all about being a musician with limited employability is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> you know, th- this pays better than Starbucks. So, <laughs> no, that's funny. well, uh, you know, so it, I think it, uh Toward the top of the show, you were saying something about uh, listening to podcasts in your in your wood shop. Talk talk a l- to us a little bit about that. And I know you like to garden as well. What are what are some things you do to? <laughs> You know, unwind from the exciting life of executive directordom in your five <laughs> minutes of spare
2: time <laughs> per month.
3: Yeah, it, it it varies. I mean, I have had a period here where I could build a uh, built a deck onto our house in Brookside, and uh, I was able to finish a workbench that I've been working on for a couple of years. But lately, no, <laughs> I don't think I've been outside for a little while now. It's been it's been uh, around the clock lately, but. Um, You know, I, I, I find I want to work with my hands. I've always been that way. I've always been wired that way. And I find it's good for my mental health to do that. And, and then anything I undertake, I really try to put my all into it. And so I'm, I'm new to gardening, but I've really gotten into it. Like I'm, I, 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 you know, I, I read the books, I watch the videos, I I do all of it. And uh, so I, we, we, we went crazy. I ripped all the grass out of my yard and I I turned the entire backyard into like an English, co- you know, cottage garden sort of thing. Uh, and then a woodworking, it's the same idea. You know, I love really nicely made furniture and you can't find it anymore. Uh, all the factory stuff is junk. So
1: <laughs> when did you um, when did you get into this gardening thing? Have you experienced like a full spring with all of your new your new landscaping in?
3: Yeah, I mean, it's an ongoing Process. Okay. Uh, this last spring, I planted twelve hundred tulips in the yard. Uh, w- well, last fall I did, and they bloomed uh-huh. in the spring, and it's like okay. Holland back here. It was great. Holland wow. and Brookside. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that was really rewarding to see that come together. Um, but then there's the rest of the year, and so the rest of the year, I've, I've been trying. I, I introduced some roses and some other things, some uh, perennials. You know, perennial borders all over the place, just trying to to get more color. And 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 the our gardener knows it's not something that happens overnight. It takes many seasons to build that up.
0: I, I can't remember what the context was, but I, I know you sent uh, a bunch of us a picture at some point of your backyard, and it was just beautiful. I don't, oh. I don't think you sent it to the whole orchestra. It was in the context of something, but anyway, it was it well, was incredibly I it. beautiful. I saw it too. Yeah,
1: yeah. It was, I mean,
0: this would have been a while ago, but it was it was really terrific. So I'm oh, I'm, I'm very impressed. I mean, my. <laughs> My neighbors often joke because uh, when I get real busy in the springtime, you know, the weeds just grow up in the beds in front of my house like gangbusters, and I can't, I can't keep up with it. And just not having a jungle in front of my house, I consider an achievement. So to actually have a, uh, a beautifully planned and tended garden is, is impressive.
1: And do your, do your weeds bloom at least? Do you uh, get some color? All,
0: they do all kinds of things. I don't know what they do when I'm not around.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, Danny, uh, I, I said near the very top of the show that I'm super proud of this new subscription series that we are offering this year uh, from January through hopefully June. We are we're now have concerts planned from now through March, and then we're going to reassess what the pandemic situation is and maybe open our uh, concerts up to more people if we're able to do so starting in April, or, or maybe we'll be able to offer a different type of concert or more concerts But I'm super excited about January through March. Um, One other silver lining of the pandemic is with the programming with these concerts, we're able to play a lot of this really great string orchestra repertoire and some chamber repertoire, both uh, chamber works for winds, chamber works for brass, and then chamber orchestra pieces. So it's a lot of stuff we never get the opportunity to play as an orchestra, and there's a lot of gems in there. Just talk to us a little bit about what we can expect over these next few months with this with this brand new idea of the series yeah
3: i mean you hit it on the head in terms of the repertoire yeah we're talking about repertoire of composers that people are very very comfortable and familiar with but this is repertoire you just never get to hear a symphony orchestra play because frankly it's not cost effective to play it you know we have an orchestra of 80 musicians why would we do a piece for a fraction of that so um typically we're doing the, the the big symphonies and everything else but this repertoire is fabulous, fabulous, and mm-hmm. so you're going to hear all sorts of different compositions that you've probably never heard before, especially in person. Maybe you've heard some of it on, on you know, online on the radio or something. But, um, but it, it's really great, great masterworks by the masters, and also by a number of other composers who are you know uber talented. Um, and, and so I, I'm so excited for me, frankly, selfishly to hear this repertoire. I'm so excited for our audience to hear this repertoire. I think it's gonna be fabulous. We're going to be delivering this through an all new uh, website. And so it's not just a matter of putting these videos up on on our website. We're really creating what what I call a Netflix-like experience. And so if you're familiar with Netflix and you're comfortable using Netflix, this is gonna feel very, very familiar to you. Um, and so eventually, uh, I, I think by March, uh, we'll have it on to where you can go onto your TV and actually watch these programs on your TV using an Apple TV or a Roku or a Smart TV. Uh, oh, cool. It's going to have a website that's uh, the same browsing experience where you can watch on your computer. You could watch it on your mobile phone, on an app, on your tablet, all kinds of different things. And so the opportunity to engage with this and to engage in interactive chats with our musicians, you know, during or after these programs, uh, I, I just think there's tons of opportunity um where where it'll be a different experience than the concert hall, but but maybe not a lesser experience. Uh, it, it'll It'll be a different way to 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 enjoy this music.
1: Can I ask if we're talking about, you know, all of these things that we're doing now? I know we've talked specifically about the mobile music box, and, you know, this was this was something that was so successful and got us out in the community doing what we should should be doing and want to be doing and, and need to be doing. Um, obviously we've talked about that continuing in the future, despite, you know, what happens, um, you know, with our ability to gather, like that's something that's going to stick around and we're going to continue that. Do you have thoughts on how that might evol- evolve, but also this, you know, we've we've entered into negotiations with musicians on, you know, all of these new, Um, recording and streaming and, you know, these digital platforms, is this something that's going to stick around or do you see it just sticking around, you know, now, and hopefully we just get back to in-person. What, what do you see for us?
3: Hmm. Once you open these doors, there's no closing them. (laughs) And that's true with mobile music box. And it's true with streaming. These are, these are two. And I, and I want people to understand that we're not doing this just to get through this pandemic. We're doing this. These things are accelerated by the pandemic. That's all we would have done these anyway, now we're doing it because um, be, be, because there's a necessity right now. But we've started these new things, and so the mobile music box is going to be a core part of our offering moving forward. And we need to work with the musicians to figure out how. But sure. one of the things that's so attractive about this orchestra in particular is the culture of chamber music here, and and that's so good for our musicians. And and most of the audience I don't think understands that Just because you play the flute, you know, of course you can play in a chamber ensemble. Anybody can. But I. I Mike, I think you would say, or let me ask you, is it any different playing in a chamber ensemble than it is playing in an orchestra?
0: Well, I, I mean, I don't think anyone would assume that just because I can play the flute, I can do anything. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> anything but, at yeah, all. Anything at all. No one would ever make uh, draw that conclusion. But, but it's true. I mean, I... I love uh, the increased opportunity to play chamber music uh, through those concerts. And, you know, there's been some of it over the years through our, what do we call our chamber music? Our happy hour series, not happy hour. Yeah, happy, yeah. Hour. Yeah. Yeah. happy yeah. hour. Yeah, happy hour, yeah. hour series uh, is what we call it's our chamber so music concerts. It, has, <laughs> it been has been a long time since I've had a happy hour. No, that's not true. No, that's no, not, no, not true. Of the no, concert that's type, not, not the uh, drinking. <laughs> kind, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> but, um, nice yeah. try, Mike. <laughs>
0: right. I, I love, what I love about it, um, you know, for myself and for our musicians, is that you know, always in chamber music, uh, we have some greater uh, autonomy and individuality, uh, that we can express that that often doesn't happen in the orchestra, particularly you know, if you're a section string player, but but even if you're, um, you know, one of the principal wins, uh, a, as I am, you know, the the freedom to not only choose repertoire, but choose how we play it uh, to speak more frequently to our audiences, to have a closer connection with them, and that's true whether we do it, you know, indoors or or uh from the trailer and i'm looking forward to this spring because i think you know weather being what it is in kansas city we're actually i'm assuming going to have a much longer uh, period of time potentially to be Mm -hmm. doing uh the mobile music box concerts uh coming up here than we did last fall when we started them uh so i hope i hope that will lead to uh some additional creativity from our musicians and some additional opportunities with it so i i find it very exciting and um Yes, even a flute player can play chamber music.
3: <laughs> <laughs> but but it's good for our musicians, you know, to have that opportunity to yeah. express and to, to to really dig for that individual expression instead of having it, you know, all from the podium, for example, um, and, and and not to have any real bounds on your on your playing, uh, and, and to to work and listen to one another across the ensemble. Um, it, it's just so. Uh, so good for musician development and and the audience loves to hear it too and so my first visit to a happy hour concert here i can't remember when it was but it was before i took the job and uh, i i was blown away the place was packed to the rafters and we didn't have to do any party favors or you know free beer or anything like that to get people to come people just came because they wanted this to experience this and Mm -hmm. it was completely musician driven in terms of the programming and uh just really blown away. So I think Mobile Music Box is an extension of the success of Happy Hour, now taking Happy Hour on the road, if you will, with this with this program. And I think that that's gonna for the Symphony. You know, if we can talk business for a little bit, because that's my my job. The Symphony. You know, our our mission is to is to perform great music for this community, to serve this community through our music. We also have to conduct business in order to do that. And our business is developing an audience for what we do. And so now we have this mobile music box traveling around Kansas City, and everywhere we go, who knows how many people we' you know' we're potentially enticing to make that to make that step to come into our concert hall and now that now they know they're welcome where mm-hmm. where before for some reason they didn't they didn't know that but but now they know uh that that this is their concert hall we are their symphony, and so it's it's really uh, a permanent uh, initiative
0: yeah one of the things that um that I'm really looking forward to you know the next year or two or three is seeing how these new things evolve and kind of become you know synergistic with with our more traditional programming in the hall um, because I think I I mean I agree with you I think they're really going to bolster everything about what we do and the the online stuff I've really come to find um the, I, there's sort of two there's two kinds of online content for me, as far as classical music is concerned, orchestral music, you know, there's, there's stuff that wasn't really made for streaming. It's sort of like, you know, there's, there's video of a, a concert that happened with people there and, you know, you sort of have this fisheye view on other people experiencing a concert. And then there is content that really was made for the internet, um, made for streaming. And I find that, very much more compelling and engaging, actually, and I think it's a a powerful medium that's been somewhat overlooked. So I love that that's a thing that's really come out of this period, and it's something that we're starting to do. And it's it's difficult, and it's um, you know, it's it's all new, and you know, seeing the organization and you know other orchestras, other individual musicians figure it all out, you know, on the fly has been pretty exciting to watch and participate in. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how that evolves.
3: Yeah, and that that too is the same idea. It's, it's it's trying to get people to engage with our music in a different way. And and so now we're making it accessible to everyone. We're we're making it so so that, that you can you can learn more about this music and, and appreciate it more. And when you come into the hall, it's gonna mean all the more to you um, because because you have that that opportunity online. And so I, I think as far as the sort of, a, a, you know, path to really becoming a classical music lover, it has to start somewhere. We can't just say, you know, this is great music and you should really make this part of your life. There has to be some, some onboarding. There has to be some, some way that people come into this art. And so I think uh, to Mike's point, you know, the, the the opportunity to do interesting things online, not just recreate the the concert experience, but actually do some sort of interactive uh, element that's really more one-on-one rather than one-on-1600 um, uh, online, I, I think it's really valuable.
2: This is gonna be really wonderful, like like we've been saying. So if you don't have a subscription yet, you should seriously consider getting one with the symphony this, this year at mysymphonyseat.org. Um, Danny, we've come to the most important part of our conversation. This is uh, very serious, and um, like I said, it's without a doubt, we can't let you go without hearing your answer to these next two questions. Is
1: it more serious? Sorry, is it more serious than the cats in the Christmas tree?
2: Oh, much. Mm, that maybe not doozy. as serious as that. That was pretty serious. <laughs> okay. Okay. What is your? And I already think I, I think I already know the answer to this. But what is your favorite beverage of choice? Oh boy, it depends. Yeah. It can't, it, it can't depend. It just has to be one answer. You're only allowed one answer. That's what is not your favorite true. beverage? We've allowed other people to have. okay, you can have two answers. How about that? <laughs> All right. All right. If if I can have a broad answer, my favorite beverage is beer.
1: <laughs> I love that. Okay, answer. good. That's go. a yeah.
3: good broad answer. You know, I I, <laughs> what I are think your... if I had to make a choice, I would not I would not give up on the beer. What kind of beer varies by the season, but <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but what no are you I...
2: drinking right now in the in the winter?
3: Uh so in the Beer-wise, winter I, I Especially this time of year, I tend to gravitate towards Guinness uh, and, mm-hmm. and your, nice. your, your 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 stouts and porters and those kind of things. Uh, and then yeah. in the summertime, I really well actually all year round, I really like the German uh, German pilsners. Um, th- mm-hmm. Those are pretty hard to pass up. Um, one of my favorite discoveries was uh, Grunauer, um, and mm-hmm. you know, the second location outside of Vienna. <laughs> <It's like> I, <laughs> right. I still don't know why that is. But it's really cool, and they have wonderful beer. And so, um, so I I will say, if I had to pick that, that would be it. But it's funny because I went all through college as a low brass player, not drinking at all. Uh, I I I didn't start drinking until I got into orchestra (laughs) management.
2: (laughs) 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 So what does that tell you? (laughs) That's what finally pushed you over the edge, right? Over the edge. Okay, so beer. Yeah. beer anything else you can have a couple here what else what else do you like to drink besides beer?
3: Well so if I'm hitting the liquor cabinet then there's a uh, something called a dark and stormy nice. that a friend of mine in Charleston introduced me to which is a dark uh, dark rum and ginger beer uh, and and a lime and that's it. It's a very simple drink which means I can make it and so um, <laughs> that's that's also a wonderful thing. but I, I, I really Jason um, I, I am not at your level. I, and I don't know if I ever will be, having heard of your liquor cabinet at home. But I love bourbon. And, uh, yes, you and, and do. So I'm, We've I'm had many good
2: discussions about bourbon. <laughs> good. <laughs> that is good. I'm glad. Those are all good drinks. All good drinks. So let's say you're uh, enjoying a Guinness or a good stouter porter right now with Mr. Beethoven in a bar. We just celebrated mm-hmm. his 250th birthday. So besides wishing him a happy belated 250th, what would you want to ask Beethoven?
3: Wow! First of all, I think that'd be a really, really cool conversation. <laughs> At some point, I would want to ask him about that uh, cadenza in the Ninth Symphony, wh- when you've got all the different voices doing their things, and it's it, it uh-huh. it's it's kind of crazy sounding, <laughs> but then it sort of yeah. re- resolves. And and there has been a great um, debate among academics about. You know, first of all, could he hear, <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and and did he know what he was doing? And if he could hear, would he have written it the same way? Um, because it seems it, it's just so out there that that people really can't can't make anything of it. But it's also really quite beautiful, and and so I I think not to get too academic, but I think I would want to work that into the into the conversation at some point.
0: Well, Danny, this has been a really fantastic conversation and we so appreciate you uh, taking the time to uh, talk to us today on the podcast and share uh, some of your reflections on what's been going on and what we have to look forward to. Uh, It's a Beethoven walks into a bar tradition to finish off our podcast with some recommended listening uh, for Hmm. our listeners. So uh, it's, uh, you know, not Absolutely required, though we will publicly shame you if you don't have no. some recommended listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I tell you, for, for, for,
3: first of all, thank you for inviting me to be on, on your show here. Uh, I, I really think you guys are just amazingly good. I can't imagine. I, I can't believe how well the chemistry just worked. Because we we conceived this thing like literally in half an hour, <laughs> and you guys it's just, true. just taking it from there. And, and so, uh, so so really, congratulations on such a such a good job. And 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 I'm honored like to so. be with you today. So thank you for that. My recommended listening right now. So 2020 was a difficult year for sure, and just very very stressful. And I'm a bass trombonist, and so I, I like the big big symphonic music and so Mahler is my go-to all the time mm-hmm. but i think if i had to, if if i had time right now to sit down and just let the let the stereo play for a couple of days on end i would probably try to plow through the shostakovich symphonies and it would be chicago mm. symphony it would be the new york philharmonic it would be one of those you know 80s new york philharmonic but it would be like big and uh, and, and i think that would just be good i don't know that that kind of music right now would just really fit my mood <laughs> so <laughs> i i don't know if it would fit other people's moods but uh but that that's what would really get my blood pumping Shostakovich Shostakovich is always, good. Are, yeah.
2: Yeah. always great yeah 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 well i'd like to recommend uh if you have not checked it out yet the kansas city symphony just released a new recording within the last few months of two pieces by our good friend jonathan leshinoff an amazing composer uh, his symphony number three and his piano concerto, which we just gave the world premiere of last season with fabulous pianist Joyce Yang. Uh, both pieces are on that recording. The orchestra sounds great. Joyce sounds great. And I think you'll really love Jonathan's music. It's always very engaging and amazing. So check that out. Mike, what do
0: you have? Well, you know, we were uh, talking about repertoire we don't often play uh, because it's either for you know, just strings or chamber orchestra. And and I thought back to a performance I did years ago of uh, the wonderful uh, Schoenberg Second Chamber Symphony. And I went back and listened to it, and I thought, this is just a fantastic piece. And, you know, I think a lot of people, if they're familiar with Schoenberg at all, uh, they might find it a little off-putting or a little challenging or a little dissonant. Actually, this piece, it's almost like Debussy. It's so colourful. Uh, and it's, you know, for small orchestra, it's very transparent. I think it's just it's one of my favorite pieces to play. And uh, I'm sure if we uh, do some more small orchestra stuff, we'll get to it eventually. So check it out online, though. I found a wonderful recording of the Orpheus Chamber Orchestra. It's again, Schoenberg's second chamber symphony.
1: Oh, I'm definitely going to check that out. I don't know that I'm familiar with that. I'm excited. Um so I'll wrap up the the recommended listening with, a recording of the Rachmaninoff symphonic dances. And I choose that because these dances are at the top three, probably of my all time favorite symphonic repertoire. Um, It makes me happy. I loved playing it um, as a clarinetist. I love listening to it every time it, it just makes me happy and, it's a new year. It's twenty twenty one, and I want to start it off happy. So definitely Rachmaninoff and off symphonic dances. Um so we'll put all of these links in the show notes. But Danny, thank you again for joining us. And uh, we're really excited to see all of the awesome things the symphony does and um throughout twenty twenty one and beyond. so thanks, thanks again for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me. It's been a, f- a lot of fun
1: so next week, we meet the boss of the brass section, principal trumpet Julian Kaplan. We're going to hear about his most recent solo appearance with the symphony and what it's like being back in Helsberg Hall for the first time in 10 long months. We also take bar talk in a slightly different direction, and we're each learning what brass instrument we truly are on the inside. I'm excited to hear how that turns out next week on Beethoven Walks into a Bar.